Welcome to Talking in Stations. This is Matt Earl. Here with Ashtarothi today. Greetings, fellow Empyreans. I am Ashtarothi, and today we are outside this wonderful blue sun. Very nice. All right, so today we'll talk a little bit about what happened yesterday and today in EVE Online. And uh, then we will look at um, some of the structures that are destroyed and left uh, in Delve. I think there was some action over in Catch too. Maybe Catch has fallen. Uh, we'll talk about Brave's uh, former headquarters over there and what that means for them. Uh, we'll also meet uh, a player from Waffles. He's actually a director. Uh, his name is Annelias Abernet. And uh, he'll tell us about what's going on over in Syndicate and Placid area, I believe. Uh, but first, let's check in with what's going on in Iceland, I believe there's a volcano. Yeah, well, I mean, Iceland is pretty famous for having a lot of volcanoes and some pretty uh, impressive, majestic, and terrifying eruptions over the past year, or over the years, rather. And um, in the last week or so, there's been a lot of earthquakes, and we've heard a lot of, like, oh, there's going to be there's going to be another eruption. And it started just a couple hours ago. You probably know more about it than I do at this yeah, point. Yeah, the actual eruption started a few hours ago. The uh, mountain is called, oof, I'll never pronounce that right. It actually looks like something from Cult of Cthulhu or something, you know, like. Is it is it the one, is it the one that uh, is also in Eve? Fagragilsdale. Just been. Does it start with E? No, it starts with F-A-G-R-A-D. Okay. Yeah, oh, this is a different. This is a different volcano. Let me see if I can pull it up here uh, in our notes. Just give me one second. I'll pull up the thing. But actually, yeah, they've been they've been going through weeks of like earthquakes. Even animals have been getting seasick, which is horrible if you think about that. Um, so I'll pull this uh, thing up. We can actually see the eruption here. It's right there. Yeah. So I feel bad for. Uh, uh people and well this is the actual and in the event that people don't realize the reason why this is eve news is because ccp uh has uh basically is, is built is based in iceland there's an they're an Icelandic company so even though the eve servers are in london and therefore like a natural disaster on iceland won't necessarily impact like the actual day-to-day -day running of eve online uh, this is, you know, very likely it's, we wish our best to all of the CCP devs and all of the people on Iceland, um, whenever they're doing this and whenever these kinds of things happen, um, and stay safe, please. But it's, it, it's gorgeous. That's what I was saying. Like it's, <laughs> it's terrifying. And yet, like, have you seen some of this stuff from previous? The thing is that once the volcano starts to erupt, it actually creates like thunderstorms inside of, within the, uh, the gas the plume. Cloud. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. I think actually there was maybe 10 years ago, there was a big eruption that closed down transatlantic uh, airline flights for a while. It's a couple days because the smoke was just all in that airspace uh, that people cross over going to Europe from the United States and Canada. So this I remember is... that either delayed a CSM meeting or like stranded them there or threatened to. There was something about like a CSM trip because the CSM traveled to Iceland once or twice a year, depending on 
when it is as well. Yeah, it might have. I uh, I don't remember exactly what was going on. I just um, remember hearing about it in the news. You're right, actually, it did affect because uh, we heard about it inside the game as well. So that's crazy. And uh, and here it is again. It's another eruption, but it's kind of nice because maybe the earthquakes will stop. I think they. It was in, it was really interesting because the earthquakes were their epicenters were like in three or four different spots, but they started moving into one area from three directions. Right, I'm thinking Triglavians. And and then at one point, they were all kind of coalescing around this volcano. That's why they knew it was a volcano. I think it's, I think it's pretty telling that uh, what 2020 did to us, that now we're like, oh, it's, a, it's one of those quaint, good natural disasters, like a volcano exploding. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was earthquakes, and uh, they were unexplained in, uh, I think it was um, Puerto Rico. And they had like hundreds per day. It was unbelievable. And there was, uh, we're trying to figure out like, where are those earthquakes? What are they doing? Where are they going? And I, I think they explained it as possible volcanic activity or, or, or it was uh, two plates that came together right where Puerto Rico was. But I think it eventually all subsided. It was just a really weird thing. I don't know how that one resolved itself, but this one resolves an explosion of lava and magma coming out of the mountain. So Iceland is, uh, Keeping its reputation of beauty and just craziness. Okay, let's talk about EVE Online and go to... Speaking of major destruction... <laughs> uh? Not, uh? Bad. Not bad. I like that. All right. Yeah, so here we have... Uh, let me see if I can zero this in a bit better. Some. Uh, this was yesterday in F2O. As you can see, there's a considerable fleet of, uh, looks like mostly Erebus, sorry, uh, Avatar Titans firing on the Keepstar using their conventional weaponries, their cannons, essentially. Uh, and they melted that thing down, I think, relatively quick. I think it was less than a half hour, maybe uh, 15 minutes to a half hour. And uh, that Keepstar is now destroyed. And right after that happened, a Titan that was inside of it, but manned, popped out. It was a Ragnarok, and uh, so they were able to capitalize on that and kill that as well. Uh, I think right. That, so if you're yeah. in a structure, mm -hmm. if you're in a structure, when it goes pop, you just appear basically right next to where the structure was. Um, just like if you were to be logged out and a structure goes pop, when you log in, you will basically emergency warp to the place where the structure was. So this person was. I, I don't know if sightseeing, looky-looing, probably looking outside of the structure while it was happening. Didn't understand the mechanics. The structure goes pop. And before he realizes it, he's also next to the It was line. a bridging titan, but I don't know if mm. he was maybe trying to get out. Now, this is the F2O Keepstar, so I'll, I'll look for that kill mail. It's been a lot of destruction since then, so I think it's actually on the second page here. So one of the things I was thinking about, because we, we're going to be talking about a couple of Keepstars here, is is just a little bit about what Keepstars are and why they're so important. So Keepstars are basically, you know, there's player-built structures. There's the old system and then there's the new system. The new system is upwell structures. And upwell structures are divided into, um, well, the, 
non-flex structures are the citadels, which are military and corporation leadership structures, engineering complexes, which are uh, industry and invention, and refineries, which are refineries and moon mining. Um, and so each one of those have their own track and they have different sizes. So there's medium, large, and extra large. Extra large being the biggest, scariest stuff in the game. And in uh, most importantly, um, some of the extra larges, in particular the Keepstar, which is the Citadel line, the, the military corporation in, uh, leadership line, um, that Keepstar allow that that structure, the Keepstar, allows super capitals to dock, which prior to this was not possible to do in EVE Online for over a decade. So um, they are incredibly powerful, expensive um, fortresses that are used by Nullsec in order to build their their bases out there. And after the outpost changes that happened a couple of years ago, you know, other than NPC Nullsec areas, which do have stations to operate out of, these keep stars represent basically the only kind of living quarters uh, for, or the primary living quarters, I should say, for people who are living and operating in Nullsec. Yeah, and I'm glad you... Uh... Uh, filled there for a second. Thank you. Uh, it took me a while to figure this out because I was looking for the Keepstar Destruction in F2OY TAC X. There wasn't one because a kill mail was never generated for that structure for some reason. But we know right that that, that yeah. is something that happens a lot, especially with Keepstars, because if when a kill mail gets so many people, then it literally breaks. It, whatever saves, like it's basically the entry becomes so long that. CCP fails to generate the kill mail and it's just lost in time. In the past, CCP has gone back when it comes to particularly important kill mails and recreated them. Um, but if if it's a major major event that draws enough people, chances are there won't be a kill a kill mail for it. I see. Yeah, this used to be a problem. I think when Keepstars first came out, they didn't generate kill mails at yeah. all. Yep, the first few Keepstars definitely didn't because it took enough people. But like. This was a big thing if like somebody whelped a Titan on like a stream or something like anything that would get like thousands of people on a single kill report mm -hmm. would basically break the kill mail system completely. Got it. So no Keepstar kill mail for F2O, an important Keepstar. But there was this Ragnarok here that got killed. As you can see, he's in the Brooder tribe. He's not in uh, Goonswarm. But I think if you look up that character, he was, um, he might have left a while ago for maybe an activity. Who knows? But he was logged in on the character in the Titan inside the structure when it exploded, which pops you right out and, uh, you know, you're up for grabs at that point. All right. Somebody's pointing out that the pilot was not in goons for over 300 days. Yeah, now, it is possible. It is true that a lot of people keep their, you know, like obviously supers are often on an alt um, and it's not necessary for those alts in a lot of organizations to have to necessarily be part of the same organization. but it, Obviously, the the plot grows thicker. I don't know. Yeah, it's exciting. Question to from uh, Relic Sabad or Sadab: uh, Why was the Keepstar important? As we pointed out a few days ago in the episode called, uh, you'll probably know this one, Fountain or uh, Delve has fallen. Uh, you'll realize that, that was the last Keepstar. That was the last way out for capital ships. That was the Keepstar that connected uh, Delve to Losec. And so if you are the Imperium and you were thinking of exiting with your super capital, you don't want to just jump those 
and you know find have security by obscurity in other words try to get by without anybody seeing you uh, especially in a war zone because all it takes is one subcapital to see your ship land and have to recap in order to move to the next jump and get tackled and then they call their friends and their friends are all nearby and they're all active and they're all uh, awake constantly so there's always going to be enough people to kill you it's very dangerous to move by yourself so what you want to do when you're moving a super capital is well here's another scenario you, you jump to any structure and tether to it and that gives you the cap the capacitor that you need and also the safety you need to jump to the next one but that doesn't work as well anymore because now there's a 30 second delay for the tether so if you jump to any structure you have to wait 30 seconds before you're tethered and a lot of times you get spotted and uh, tackled at that point so generally the way that you move super capitals in the situation that people are in now are keep stars because you can jump to a keep star and you won't be tethered for 30 seconds but you can dock right up and so that's a safe jump that is why you saw at the beginning of this war or actually the end of the beginning of the war Pappy put down keep star after keep star after keep star after keep star all the way from like catch into Aquarius and then into Delve and then into the heart of Delve. They did that so they could jump all their super capitals without worrying about getting caught, getting tackled, um, being taken uh, off guard. That was the railroad into enemy territory and that's what they built. And so what I'm saying about this F2O keep star is the last of three railroads out of Delve just had its tracks blown up. And that's why it's important. I was going to show you that on Dotland. Just to sync the point. Now, it is, it is true that if you want to get your stuff out of 1DQ, I think it's still possible to just simply defect and uh, use the... Because <laughs> didn't they anchor special keep stars specifically to allow people to... Yeah, but where uh, affect and get out. <laughs> I think by raising that point, you're like. Uh, uh, anyway, we don't want to raise the point of defections or switching sides or any of that. But yeah, you could switch sides. You could also say, "I'm just going to asset safety myself uh, into Ermalin. I'll pay my 15% fee, which is about 12, eight to 12 billion. You know, I could absorb that cost, for instance, and then, and then you're out of the war zone, but you're in Ermalin, and Ermalin itself has its own dangers. Uh, yeah. Th so basically, each right, each of these low sex. Uh, the way it works is, if you don't have another structure in the same system to asset safety into, then you have to asset safety to the nearest low sec low sec system. So what that means is that there are a lot of null sec that basically condenses down to very very few systems of low sec. So there are these very particular low sec systems that basically everybody asset safeties into, or at least entire regions or several regions asset safety into. So you're basically back in the same place again, where sure, there's no bubbles, but you, you've got to assume that there's at least somebody paying attention at any given time. And it's incredibly dangerous to uh, recover stuff out of there. Um, yeah, we, we talked about this um, again a few episodes ago, but you can see that F2O no longer exists, which means if you're in 1DQ over here, you can't do this route anymore. And as soon as the jammer went down and was turned on, you were really stuck uh, because you can't get through a jammer unless the jammer goes down and you time it perfectly. You have like a, I believe you have a five minute window once a jammer goes down. 
Um, but uh, so that's gone. But now the structure's gone. So it doesn't matter if the iHub is destroyed and the jammer is destroyed. The Keepstar is now gone. So this road, the railroad, had its tracks blown up here in F two O, and this is why that was an important Keepstar. Now, right, Imperium guys will say, and it's and it's true for them. We're all gonna fight and die or fight and win in one DQ. None of us are actually leaving. And that's more true now than it was a few days ago. Um, so that's why that was an important uh, stop. Yeah. What? So so, what's happening here? It's not like any. While this Keepstar does have tactical advantage, um, this is not the only Keepstar that has died this week. And um, it isn't necessarily about why any given Keepstar is important. What's important is. Two things, really. One, uh, the psychology of these keep stars to the Imperium, and more important, and also to the enemies of the Imperium. Ever since the creation of the keep star and introduction into the game, the Imperium have used this growing pile of the anchored keep stars as a metric of how powerful they are, as a sign of how established they are as an as a civilization, and so. Having all of this be destroyed, yes, it is an excessive amount of keep stars, but that was the entire point of why they were anchored that way. And therefore, burning them, like the whole point was no one's ever going to burn through a whole bunch of, you know, all of these keep stars. No one would ever uproot us with this. And uh, Pappy is trying to say, oh, yeah, well, well, we'll test that. And at the same time, you know, the Imperium have said that 1DQ is the most important thing. And yet they have to sit there and watch. And maintain high morale <laughs> as keep star after keep star after keep star gets knocked over like dominoes. You like that? That's my cat. That's my cat. You know, like so. So I mean, like really, Billy's kind of walking over. It's like it's like that. Uh, like the uh, cartoon, or not the cartoon, but like the the sitcom where the guy gets super, or the whatever the person gets super ex upset, walks over to the fireplace and like slowly starts knocking things off of the fireplace one piece at a time as a tantrum. It really feels like a lot of that. Like they're, they're really making the process of watching. They're making it, They're telling Goonswarm if that, if they're going to sit there and defend one DQ, then they have to sit there and watch while everything else burns. And that's pretty nasty. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> and here is something you were just talking about. This was a poster that's altered now. But this was a poster that basically said, come at me, bro. I think the Imperium put out all these keep stars as a show of force, like this propaganda plays exactly into what you're talking about. And the thing about propaganda is it can be used against you when things start going bad. So first of all, this was kind of funny. I thought these are made up. So these keep stars here don't actually exist. Uh, their count goes up to like 53, I believe, which is and four or five are in one DQ itself, which would be a heck of a citadel to have to break through. But now you can see they're starting to use this as check check boxes, right? As soon as they kill it. And this one's up to date because you can see the DTACW, which is the next keep star that we'll look at, is listed as destroyed. So yeah, these keep stars are being destroyed and they just gave them a list. So this is literally the fortress of Delve, the walls, right? Or the towers of Delve um, just being checked off a list as they... Uh, get tumbled down. Imperium can turn Isn't, it around and and fight back and win some of these fights, but it is they are heavily outnumbered. 
isn't this just that timer board all over again, right? Like, uh, the they had the doom clock. Yeah, it's the doom clock all over again, right? So the Imperium put up propaganda to try to show how uh, how much work was ahead of uh, Pappy. You know, originally with the doom clock, they were keeping track of how long they had to go destroy all of the all of the iHubs before they could sinojammer it with the idea that they would perpetuate this clock, wasn't it? Or was it the other way around? Yeah. The who, Imper- had the doom, who had the Doom Clock originally? The Imperium, Imperium put up the did. Doom Clock, right? Yeah. And they yeah. did it because they And then basically a- Pappy just used it as like a checklist, basically. Well, yeah. The Imperium <laughs> put it up so they had some kind of metric. It's very hard for them to say, hey, we're making progress too, right? So you have to put up a metric saying, this is us. Here's a visualization of us resetting iHubs. And so the Doom Clock will show the progress that Pappy is making, and we're going to show us erasing their progress over and over and over again. And the tool right. is supposed to basically give you a metric to show the world that you are defending successfully uh, your territory. When it didn't go that way, which it didn't, we all know, it's history now, that it didn't go that way, the Doom Clock was pulled and made private instead of public because it was not working as intended. And... Pappy said, wait a minute, there goes our propaganda tool because we can't reverse it on them. So they put up their own doom clock. And right. That's what we see lately. And this is very similar it's where they say, okay, well, look at all these keep stars we have. And they're like, okay, well, that one's there and that one's there. That one's there. Thank you. You know, like, okay. I, it's, it's an interesting and delicate uh, balance because, as I mentioned, like more than anything else, the Imperium have to keep up their morale in a situation that let's be frank is very easy to spin as them losing even if you like just broadly right so their membership just has to be able to hear those arguments and be able to process it as like no or not and and believe why they don't this is why like you see their their you know media engine being so so active and so strong in such a such a like a unified position because it's like they need to un- they need to understand why they're not losing and they need to be able to believe in it and they need to be able to believe like they need to be able to hold the line and not flinch during this time because uh either the paper tiger will be exposed or they might cause themselves to uh you know like if if they shatter the illusion then they lose their own membership and that is the ultimate breaking point of of an alliance, right? Like you, you break. They, yeah, they've said it before. You, you get them to stop wanting to play, or at least stop wanting to play with that group. If, if, if actual confidence within the Imperium falters, then that would be the beginning of the end for for what's ha- for them. But they understand what their strategy is, and they have kept their their membership very well informed. There's no confusion. They know exactly what to expect. And they know exactly how to write off the otherwise disastrous stuff that is happening because they understand the, or at least uh, they have their own counteraction to the psyops game that uh, Villy and Pappy and all them are projecting onto them. Yeah. All right. So the next keep story that went down is in one DQ. You can see its relationship to the headquarters of Imperium right now. The one DQ. Sorry. D. Tech W. Did I say one DQ? I meant D. Tech I was say, oh yeah, and also yeah, a keep sorry. star went down in one DQ. Nope. That, that's that would be called burying the lead, Matt. <clears throat> yeah, that was that, true. Sorry about that. I misspoke. 
in relationship to, um, you know, what's funny, it echoed in my head and I was like, did I just, I just heard myself say something that wasn't, yeah. So DTACW is, uh, now that is actually a very important system in Delve itself. You can see by its proximity that the jump range out of 1DQ is considerable for uh, operations. So you kind of want to see how that's in the middle. <clears throat> one of the re one of the interesting things about all these cutoff tactics is because so like delve in particular is attractive for its defensive possibilities right it's actually not necessarily the most lucrative region although that matters less given the current uh, sob system but the imperium chose to go back to delve after uh, decline falled uh, fell specifically because of how defensible it was, and it's defensible because of the choke points leading in and out. But the problem is, is that the very things that defend you can also trap you. And so, if all of their, if all of these outer edge keep stars get cut off, then basically they're exposed inside, yeah. or at least they're completely cut off inside. So there are some key systems. We won't go into them today, but maybe someday we'll talk about the region in general. But uh, you can see the DTACW is usually a military strategic um, system because it allows really good range to most of the upper constellations, upper uh, region, and kind of the important parts of Delve. Over here, you actually have parts of Aquarius and period bases that sneak into lower Delve. Uh, so this is really the heart of, of the whole area. And uh, so DTACW puts you in that five light year range jump to a lot of different systems. So again, DTACW is usually a key place. I believe the Imperium did use it as a military starting point uh, for their super capital fleet, again, for its range. And so, so that is a significant loss as well, even though at this point it hasn't really uh, been important for a few weeks, if not months. <clears throat> So what you're seeing, and I, what you're seeing is a demolition of Delve, and it will continue uh, unless uh, unless uh, Imperium is ma manages to do what they actually did do in P3, I believe. Uh, they they took out a, I think it's over here somewhere. I won't go looking for it because it'll take me forever this way, but I know what I'll do. They they managed to actually take this system back. It's now been returned. Um, PS9 right here. So it's test won it back pretty easily. I think it lasted a day, but but it's important. That day broke the momentum or the, actually the, the clock on that system up to 35 days. So they might've been at day 16. Now they're back at day zero and they've got to climb all the way to 32 or 35. So it did do something by just taking it for one day, but it has now belonged to test again. Uh, and if they can continue to do that, they can continue to delay the process of demolition. But that's really all they can do right now. It's all they appear to be able to do right now, unless they commit their super capital fleet, which is unlikely um, because they will be jammed out of any system that's attacked. Um, uh, they will be jammed out of any system that is attacked in a significant way with capitals. So definitely interesting strategy going on here it is capture the system lock the system destroy everything in the system move to the next one uh, actually that's not the order they're moving all over the map but uh, lock the system destroy everything in it erase everything in delve until you get to 1dq and then slowly but surely start wiping out what you can uh, as far as citadels inside of the capital 
1DQ. And that is going to be very difficult. It may take a month or two to even accomplish that. But we won't see that start for another month and a half as, as well. Yeah. One of the things that's uh, important to note about all this is that there are three things, there are three uh, factors that, that go into what's called the active defense multiplier ADM of a system. Um, and that would be how many rats have died recently. Basically, you push it up by killing rats and it falls down over time. Same, how much ore has been mined in the system and how long you've held the system. Those are the only three things that matter. So uh, each one of those are rated one through five, the military index, the industrial index, and what's called the strategic index. But the strategic index is not only help boost your ADM and therefore make it so that it's it, it's harder for the people to attack your, your system, but also certain key sovereignty features are tied to specific um, uh, levels of strategic index, and the most notably being the sinusoidal um, uh, jammer. So only after you hold a system for so many time can you anchor one of these jammers. And so if you, even if you lose it for a day, that resets the strategic index back to zero. Which is an interesting point because, as the Imperium, if the Imperium ever want to counterattack, the more territory that gets taken, the the the, Imper uh, the, uh, the attacking forces have to make a decision about how well they want to fortify the land that they have taken. Otherwise, their ADMs are going to be super low, and it's going to be easier for you know defenders to harass their progress. All right, a question or a comment by uh, Pedro McLeod. Hmm, I wonder if it's McLeod. But it says it makes sense to burn everything first before you go into 1DQ is what he's talking about. Wormius answers, I would take out the army and burn the assets at your leisure. So those are two different ways of looking at what's left to do in Dell for Pappy if Pappy is to win this conflict. And let me explain what the uh, strategy is because it's been explained before a few times in public uh, by Pappy leaders. And that is they don't want anything they they don't want any surprises they want to do this as methodically as they can and there's a few reasons for that one is you just don't want surprises that could turn into another m2 right because that was a, a bit of a disaster it wasn't a straight up fight that was lost but it was just a technical disaster that created a bad situation for them and you want to avoid surprises like that m2 was a surprise nobody planned on it I think Imperium was saying that M2 was an insignificant keep star, but it turned into a great opportunity and they took it, they took advantage of it. Um, so what you want to do is make sure nothing's nothing unexpected happens. So what is happening to 1DQ right now is it is being islanded out. And this has happened in Eve in other conflicts as well. So they are destroying everything, erasing structures to create um, first of all, just to do a lot of the body work if you're in, if you're in a boxing match to do the body work before you start going for the head or whatever and uh, and that allows less surprises less structures that can be used militarily uh to uh i don't know to create uh, um opportunities for themselves i'm talking about the imperium so that's what they're doing and they when they get to 1dq that's why they're taking that on last it's not that they don't want to take on 1DQ now, but if they take on 1DQ now, there may be opportunities for one the, the people in 1DQ to use systems around them that have structures still in them, even if it's just a shipyard or um, a mining facility. They can still use those to tether on and stuff. So you want to take all that away. And, and once, you, once you limit their options, they really have to uh, 
um, think out of the box in order to to fight creatively. And and I think the options just go away. So I think that's why you're seeing the the vice grip coming down slowly, and they're wiping everything out. They don't want any attacks from behind them. They don't want any secret reinforcement deal with anybody else to you know to interfere. They literally want to isolate and close in and attack. And in doing so, they also want to every day demonstrate that the uh, the structures are just being destroyed left and right and left and right. And that's what that that chart that we showed you is all about. It's to remind them that did I close it? There it is. It's to remind the Imperium every day there's a check mark going up here, and you're just going to see this accelerate. So that's what's going to work yeah. on the psyche of uh, the Imperium players. Yeah, I mean, like, there are definitely reasons to go for a headshot. And arguably, Pappy did. In the very early days of, of, of the war, you know, uh, one of the things they did was basically go straight up to 1DQ and and put threat into it. But they also learned that Goonswarm, or the Imperium, was very, very interested in, in, in defending 1DQ and had the will to do so but didn't have the will to defend the rest of their regions nearly as much. And they broadcasted this very early. And if you combine that with, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the Imperium really built their, their psyche around their territory and around their structures and around all their stuff and how powerful and how better, better than everybody else they were and how much more they were making than everybody else. Um, and so this isn't just a because strike against Imperium. This is a that, strike against like what the Imperium was. Because that attracts players, right? I mean, what the Imperium was exactly. ma masterful at was setting up a situation that invited players in. You want a safe environment in Nullsec, safe-ish, uh, to rat. We are going to provide that for you, uh, and you'll be able to make your fortune with us. And we'll take a little cut of that fortune, but mostly you'll keep your fortune. And that was a very powerful recruiting tool. So if you're going to join a Nullsec group, which one are you going to join? The most stable, the one with the most future, uh, the place that I can actually invest a year and not worry about it. And Imperium was definitely that for more than one year, for like three or four years. So if you know that there's like a, an area in which your enemy is strong, but you also know that there that there are enemy that there are other areas that they're weak, but you can put but also care about, you can push them to force them to kind of turtle up into their strong position and then cause as much damage around them. I do this in faction warfare. Like, you know, if somebody comes in and tries to kite, they want to peel off people. They're a smaller force. They want to try to get people to come out and, and get killed. We pull in tight because that way that forces them to either come in and get killed or they can just sit there and watch us complete it. And the thing is, is that making the person sit there and watch while the timer ticks down, chances are eventually they're going to make a mistake. It's going to upset them. It's going to get in their head, and they're going to get angry, and they're going to want to do something about it, even if they already knew what they were doing when they went into the situation. And so anybody who can do something about it wants to do something about it for every single one of these keep stars that are going down, no matter how nonchalant they are. And then on the other side, the people who 
have their stuff in these places. The people who joined the Imperium because they believed these things about how strong the Imperium is. When the Imperium wave these things off and say that they're not important, they're calling people's stuff not important. And it's important to those guys. And so this is this is really that 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 time in which it's about you know who's going to blink, who's going to fold, who 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 has the will to continue. And I think that Pappy has identified that making this process take a long time and making the process of them destroying all of their stuff and forcing Imperium to effectively watch and watch making forcing the world to watch is by far the more effective strategy in the long run. We'll see how it plays out. All right. So Agent Black Bear says, uh, as an Imperium line member, I don't care about those red crosses at all. I assume they're all going to be red before 1DQ and Wormius follows up. 1DQ will never fall. And right. That and that goes well back to true. what I was saying. That goes back to what I was saying, which is that the Imperium, however, have put a lot of effort into ensuring that their membership understand what their actual goals are and has no confusion as to like what their plans are, what their successes are, what, you know, all that sort of stuff. So that way, when Pappy does come out and say, look at all these things we're burning, it's the things that you liked, all of those things that you liked, it's all burning now, then the Imperium guys can be like, Stop yeah, but we don't yourself. really care about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but the Imperium guys like. can be like, it's, it's the, you know, that's not us. We know who we are. Right. And so that's that's the two narratives we have. We have the Pappy narrative where it's like all is lost. You might as well just give up. We're going to just, you know, it, it, months of pain and misery and fire and no ratting and the Imperium, you know, we're not going to let them break us, which is which is important because like the Imperium coming from the goon swarm coming from something awful. That is the forge in which they were born. Right. Like when they first joined uh eve online they were they fought uh bob which was basically the most powerful force at that time and uh bob thought that they would just be able to crush them and then they're cru therefore crush their morale but since goon swarm and later the imperium formed the locus of their identity outside of of their in-game success in EVE Online specifically, they survive that kind of destruction in a way that a lot of other alliances would just simply fail Cascade. So it'll be interesting to see how the next few play months play out. I don't think either side, like, I don't think you could, as a third party, look back and say one side or the other's theory about how this is going to play out is necessarily 100% locked in. Yeah, well... We look at we look at track record, and so far everything that uh, Pappy said they were going to do, they've been accomplishing. So you can't just say it's even Steven. There's like a scoreboard, and uh, you know, straight up analysis: Imperium is losing this war, and Delve has fallen. That's a straight up obvious analysis to me. But one DQ can turn it all around if it can exist. If it can, if it never falls, there's either no end to the war. Or, as Vili said, Pappy loses. So it's not over yet. Okay. Right. But, I mean, Pappy's goal is to continue this even after 1DQ. The goal yeah, was yeah, to suppress the Imperium. So, that's so it doesn't actually matter. The military victories actually don't – all of that just feeds into who loses the will first. Isn't that interesting? That's why this is a different war. It's not about the territory. It's about the, uh, it's about the uh, denial of gameplay, really. It's very interesting. Okay. We're going to move on because uh, we have a guest that uh, we want to introduce you to. 
And uh, to introduce him, we have Gregorin here with us. Gregorin, how's it going? Hi, I'm all right. How are you? Good. You're going to let me adjust you because you're a bit on the quiet side. We'll get our mic situation worked out. Um, try that again, but don't don't get any closer to the mic. Just try it again. Yeah, one more time. How are you this evening? There you go. Thank you. All right. Introduce us uh, to uh, Taylorin, or as he is also known. Oh, it's okay. Annalise is a Annalise uh, is a director and fleet commander in my previous corporation, uh, Snigwaf uh, Waffles. Uh, and they've since I I left since I left, they've uh, gone on a deployment around the syndicate area and I've recently had a few fights with uh, longtime rivals the Know Nothings and their alliance I Will End Your Hole and it they've gotten up to some interesting stuff in the syndicate and solitude area all right welcome hello 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 glad to be here Great. Let me uh, make sure your audio works out so we don't have to fix it in post. Give me a one, two, three. One, two, three, one, two, three. That's good. Thank you. All right. How's it going? Tell us uh, about Waffles and what you're up to and, and where it is that you're operating. Oh, you know, so we were just hanging out in Syndicate. Now, it's a bit more complicated than that, of course. But uh, we've been living down in Syndicate uh since shortly after we withdrew from the war, uh, we left Horde and withdrew from the war uh, that you guys were just talking about about six months ago, I want to say, just because our, our October, uh, really finding the content, the you know big F1 fleets that uh, that much of a draw. So we decided, hey, we're going to try go make our own path as a small block in Eve. Not exactly the best. Uh, the easiest place to live but it's where we wanted to try to live so we went down to syndicate we took some fights with the locals there and secured eventually um some space for ourselves some ethanol some income all that sort of stuff what it, where this story really picks up is a couple of weeks ago where our old friends there's a long and convoluted history with the organization that's now known as uh, i will end your hole that i'd be happy to go into Move, move back in, and we've been having some interesting fights with them in the last couple of weeks. All right, cool. There's your picture. All right, yeah. What are the interesting fights? Tell us about that. So the most interesting engagements happened this last week. Um, about a week ago, we saw one of their. They reinforced a couple of our staging structures into armor in our uh, state current staging. And so, you know, we're formed up, we're ready to take fight for these because uh, we're quite attached to them at this point. And uh, they decided not to push our structures. So we're all formed up and we're looking for some place to go. And we notice, hey, someone pushed one of their Athenors into uh, armor timer. It comes out in an hour. Let's go uh, see if we can pick a fight there instead. So we do. We uh, bridge in. On, as, at the start of the armor timer, the structure eventually repairs, but we get a couple of dread waves back and forth. It turns into a nice 90 billion-esque brawl. Uh, we came out on top uh, 20 to 50, if I recall. Uh, but it was a fun fight on both sides, triage going down, uh, armor brawling, battleships, that sort of thing. It's one of the styles of gameplay I most like in EVE, to be honest. Which leads us to these last couple of days. 
we see on Monday that they're anchoring. Uh, first of all, they push our structures again, but we were kind of expecting that after the fight. And then after they push our structures, we see that they're anchoring an Asbel in their home system in uh, Losec Solitude. And it's like, this is uh, this seems a little ambitious. Uh, so I talk with the rest of the Waffles command team, the Dur team. We don't want to get th let this Asbel get anchored. That that Asbel is basically going to be the start of a capital manufacturing base so that they can out-sustain us on the kind of capital and uh, uh, heavy armor-based warfare that we like to do. So as we're go doing, we're keeping eyes on system, of course, but as we're looking at the this timer counting down, we start seeing NSH characters going through local. Uh, for those who are not familiar, NSH is a nullsection sloopin, if I'm... Nice. That was nice. Yeah. Uh, they stole their name from LSH, of course. They're not actually related. They're a mainly U.S. time zone organization uh, that does a lot of mercenary contracts and uh, is a, I would call, mid to large sized block. They're not a horde. They're not a goons, uh, but they could put, you know, 100 characters in fleet pretty easily if they need to. And so we start seeing their eyes and Sino characters burning through there. They kill a Titan in uh, Placid a couple of days uh, before that. We're like, you know, we really love Dread Brawls. Like, Dread Brawls are fantastic, but Dread Brawls where you get 50 Dreads dropped on you after you commit your initial wave are less fun. So we start running locates on NSH Dreads, and surprise, surprise, every single locate we come back has our has has NSH Dreads logged off in a system within jump range of uh, I will end your holes home staging. We're like, you know, this is just looking like a bad time if we commit caps. We're down to, you know, six hours before the timer here, and it's like, well, our plan was to drop triage and heavy armor, and now we, we simply can't do that. How are we going to kill this thing? We get to talking with a couple of people, uh, most specifically TDSIN, the Dark Space Initiative. And we're like, well, what if we uh, just take all our friends, buy healers from Jita, get them jump freighted down, and uh, try to kill a structure? And uh, that ended up being more or less what happened. We formed up, we brought in a Gila fleet, about 60, 70 people between Waffles, Free Range Chickens, the Dark Space Initiative, uh, some Shadow Cartel USTZ line members, and uh, a couple other local friends. And we uh, just start shooting this Asbel as it comes out of uh, Anchor. As expected, um, I will end your whole uh, committed heavy uh, armor battleships and triage to the grid. Um, we took one engagement with them at the very start, where we managed to wipe out most of their sub-capital logistics wing. And after we accomplished that, we basically just ran away from them in 50mn helas, uh, because they kept warping triage after us. There's a couple other things that they could have done, but uh, I won't elaborate on that too much. But <laughs> when the uh, Asbel gets down to 10% hull, what do we see but 100-man spike in the suspected NSH staging system? Uh, they immediately jump clone a subfleet down and warp in 50, 55 legions. Uh, and at that point, they landed on grid about when the structure dies, we warped out and docked up. Nice. So that's Tuesday night, uh, USTZ. We're like, well, uh, what do we know? But they about an hour later, they anchor another Asbel where we just blew the one up. And so at this point, it becomes a question of... We sit down with the Waffles command team, and we're like, 
can we take this fight if we expect NSH to come again? Uh, what do we do? And how do we... The real, the key question that we have to ask ourselves is, uh, if I'm, I will end your hole, what do we do to counter that Gila fleet we just brought to destroy your structure? And so how do we counter what they counter with? Uh, you have to kind of play two or three steps ahead, especially if you don't have, say, capitals to rely on to uh, force project. And so that's uh, what brought us into Wednesday. Wednesday, we decided to refit the entire Kilo fleet that we shipped down to 100 MN. So that resulted in a few more jump freighter runs for our wonderful logistics guys. And uh, it started in Wednesday with our structure defense timers. Uh, I honestly didn't expect NSH to show up to the offensive timers, but there they were. Uh, the Dark Space Initiative had contacts in dock workers who offered to come along for the defensive timer. It took it from a 40 versus 90 fight to a 90 versus 90 subcap brawl, which was a lot of fun. Uh, we won fairly convincingly in that fight, uh, again, mostly by targeting logistics and forcing them to commit to triage. Unfortunately, committing to triage doesn't work as well when you're on a uh, structure that's fit to kill capitals. Um, and then on Wednesday night, we brought 100 man Gila fleets to their Asbel. Uh, and with the aid of a 50 man RC fleet headed up by Last Spartan, we were able to kite around, uh, do a bit of damage to their subcap fleets, and kill the Asbel. Nice. So, two Asbels, you can see them here on, the, uh, on your kill board. Let me just make sure you can see your logo there. For waffles uh, inside of Solitude and Syndicate, those two areas are related. Uh, so that's twelve billion gone, just like that. Uh, the actual toll is much higher than that. The Tuesday night fight wasn't particularly uh, bloody, um, but they lost about. I have the battle report here. Let me pull it up. Mm -hmm. I could put it in chat for yeah, you somewhere. Put it in chat. Hey, we're at the top of the hour. Yeah. So should I should I expose the grand plot? Yeah. While we're looking for that, uh, go ahead. Tell the people. Sure thing. Yeah. So I am uh, actually outside of not my normal star, as some people have noticed. And I also earlier today tweeted a couple of hints uh, as to what we're about to do. Uh, and of course, all the spies in Convocation of Appearance know what's happening. Um, but what I'm about to do is I am going to dock up, flip over to Faction Warfare, and with my guys, we're going to go run large complexes in a Marauder. So I'm going to be in a, in a Kronos in large complexes in Faction Warfare. And uh, I call this ice fishing because people have to come into the complexes to fight us. So... Uh, We'll see how well that works out. I'm trying to I'm trying to do the whole thing. You know, they say make your own content. It's a sandbox. This is a good example of what we're going to do. So do uh, I'll have you guys rate us over when we're done. So I'm going to let you guys finish up with what you're talking and try to get my guys situated so that we don't die horribly. I mean, immediately. <laughs> I will. Feeding with Marauders is something we have a great amount of experience with us. And after the buffs, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, people keep telling me that people don't PvP with Marauders, and with the large complexes now being gated to being battleship. I, we'll talk about it more on, on the other side. I'll see you guys soon. All right, take care. Thanks, Ash. New large complexes, you can actually use the please drop carriers on me button without getting carriers dropped on you. It's an interesting experience. Right, so tell us about this um, 
uh, battle report here, and or these are basically just evidence of what happened. What's next for you guys? Yeah, so those were two quite bloody battles, and uh, I couldn't be proud of more than a few people for making them happen that I have to shout out that since I'm sure. on stream. Sure, sure. First of all would be our recon team, who has done an excellent job of just keeping eyes places uh scouting out they spent oh i don't even know how long they spent but they spent the better part of the day on wednesday scanning five or six different regions of space to look for uh routes for allies to come in uh and then the command team who uh works uh with us during our fleet flights I would love to say, hey, I'm a great up-and-coming FC, but that's uh, as much as I would like it to be true. You can't, you can't FC a fleet like that alone. And uh, the it, it's so valuable to have someone who in our corporation who's like, hey, you've you've anchored for 100 MN helos before. Uh, can you do anchoring for this fleet while I concentrate on other things? Or I can hear our Hugan pilots talking like, hey, they've switched their anchor to that person, switch your webs to that person, and this person will web primary, and you target paint that guy. Uh, and then finally, again, I already said this, but our logistics team who I could say, hey, uh, you know, I just put 40 helas up on contract. Can you get those down there by three hours ago? Uh, so all those people, without that, it won't work. And we had a lot of allies who came in to make these fights somewhat even. Yeah. That's really nice. You spread the uh, the credit around. It's not just the FC. It's the whole team. Yeah. Recon and logistics guys and waffles are really good. I I, I was in recon and the, the, stu the experience I had in there was really nice. And I was always consistently impressed with the logistics people. Yeah, it's a mark of a, it's a mark of a very healthy alliance uh, logistics, good logistics, and corporations too. Yeah. So our next step forward is, uh, I think this particular con. I'm not sure what uh, steps this particular conflict will take because I think they've been, um, I think their momentum has taken a little bit of a hit in the last week or so, uh, with losing about a hundred bill or so. 100 bill plus personally plus uh, whatever they promised NSH to get them down there because uh, I don't believe that they're there out of the charity of their heart. As far as other things for waffles, our guys are out uh, running around probably feeding because I think they're celebrating someone's birthday tonight. And yeah, we have right. our we have some uh, Euro conflicts that we've been uh, partaking in which haven't been Euro TZ conflicts that we've been partaking in which haven't popped off quite as hard, but uh, are fun nonetheless. Good. Well, Annalise, is it? Annalise Albrecht? Annalise. Annalise Obernet. Indeed. Got it. All right. Very nice to meet you and talk with you from Waffles uh, FC there. They're doing a bunch of uh, sorties in syndic sorry, Syndicate and even... Um, I was about to say solitaire, but solitude. So good luck to uh, you guys there in Waffles. Uh, uh, and enjoy your PvP. It sounds like you are. I do greatly. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Gregorian. And thank Ashtarothy for being around. This brings us to the end of the show today. But we're going to run right over to Ashtarothy's uh, channel and watch him sacrifice a marauder. Stay tuned as we raid. Thank you, everyone, for watching Talking in Stations. It's the end of the week. It's a big week. We will be back next week.
We'll see you then on Talking In Stations.